Hello and welcome to Mr. Mar's History Podcast. Google Mr. Mar History to get more help with Nationals Higher and Advanced Higher History. In today's lesson, we will consider the reasons that the 1906-1914 Liberal governments introduced a range of social reforms. We will consider factors such as social campaigners, the threat of war, so-called national efficiency, political issues and party advantage, municipal socialism, and we will also consider the impact that other countries had. Between 1906 and 1914, the Liberal governments introduced a range of changes which transformed the nature of British government. This included issues such as unemployment benefit, sickness benefit, free school meals and also pensions. This marked a change in the previous laissez-faire method of how the country was run, where the government played only a minimal role in people's lives. But the question is why this happened. One factor which led to this was the role of social campaigners. Before the 1900s, many people believed, um, when referring to the poor, that their situation was entirely their own fault, and as a result the government did little to help them. However, towards the end of the late 1800s, this began to change. The notion of the deserving poor was born. This meant simply that some poor people in fact deserved the help of the government. Part of the reasons for this was that previously, most middle and upper class people in Britain had no idea what life was like for the very poorest. Two famous reports would help change this. Charles Booth was a London businessman and he did not believe the reports of extreme poverty which existed in the capital. He carried out an investigation to prove that many of the stories which were being spread about the extent of poverty were grossly exaggerated. In fact, the exact opposite came to be the case. If anything, Booth found that the stories he'd heard of poverty were not as bad as the reality. Booth carried out his reports between 1889 and 1903, and he warned that if people's lives and the very desperate situation in which they found themselves was not improved, there could be a revolution in Britain. At the same time, there were other people interested in this throughout Britain. One such issue was the Rowentree family, famous for their chocolate. Joseph Rowentree was the owner of the famous Rowentree factory, and although he was very rich, he believed in treating his workers fairly, which included giving them access to education, medical help and also pensions. As a result of this, his son became interested as well. Seabom Rowentree was not only inspired by his father, but also by Charles Booth's study of poverty in London. He carried out a similar study in his hometown of York, which found that around 30% of people in York lived in extreme poverty. In particular, Rowentree argued that the poverty which existed was often not the fault of those who were suffering from it. Rowentree came up with the concept of primary poverty. What this meant was that some families, regardless of how responsibly they spent their money, simply did not have the minimum amount on which they needed to live. The publicity that these arguments presented helped persuade the Liberal governments that they should take action. However, it's worth noting that Rowentree's report did in fact give people who were opposed to helping the poor an excuse not to do so. Rowentree also coined the notion of secondary poverty. This meant that there were some families where the reason for their extreme poverty was that they were to misspend money, for instance on luxuries such as alcohol and cigarettes. 
Rowentree, however, did argue that even this, whilst partly their own fault, was in fact entirely understandable given the very desperate lives that they led and the chance for a brief time at least to escape from this. Another factor which may have led to the Liberals introducing their reforms was the issue of national security, or more specifically the fear of war. In the late 1800s, Britain had an empire which spanned the globe, and as a result it periodically found itself involved in conflicts and wars where it needed soldiers to fight. At the end of the 1800s and into the 1900s, Britain began a war in South Africa against a group known as the Boers. This gave us the Boer War. Britain at this point had a volunteer army, and around 25% of people that tried to join the army were rejected because they were not fit enough. This number was even higher, as much as half, in, for recruits who were trying to come from industrial cities, such as places like Glasgow, Birmingham and Manchester. Although Britain at this point was the world's dominant superpower, it was not the only country with desires to do this. One of Britain's main rivals, both economically and militarily, was Germany. Germany was arming itself, and there was a very real fear that war might come soon. As Britain had been struggling in the Boer War, the fear was this. If Britain could not easily beat the farmers of South Africa, what hope would they have against another superpower such as Germany? In 1904, two reports were produced that showed that all across Britain, many adult males were not fit enough to fight simply because of their poor living and working conditions. As a result, introducing changes which would help these people was not simply about supporting poor people, but in fact about protecting Great Britain and its interests. However, it should be noted that many of the liberal reforms which were introduced were not actually aimed at people who ultimately would go on to fight. For instance, one of the most prominent uh, changes introduced was old age pensions. And clearly people who were eligible for an old age pension would not be able to fight in a war, suggesting that there were other factors which persuaded the Liberals. Many people suggested that another issue was in fact that of national efficiency. In simple terms, whether Britain was well placed to continue to be the most economically powerful country in the world. Britain had a huge economic advantage. The Industrial Revolution had its origins in Britain, but other countries were soon catching up and becoming economic rivals. Although Britain continued to lead the world in manufacturing, including goods such as ships and jute, this could potentially change unless Britain was to take action. Britain was especially worried about Germany and the USA. Both countries had strong workforces, and if they caught up with Britain, they could easily overtake Britain as the world's major superpower. There was poverty all around the world, including in Germany and the United States. Germany, however, had already taken action to introduce social reforms, including pensions, and many in Britain felt that if they would compete with Germany, it was important that they did so too. However, it is debatable whether the influence of other countries in terms of economic competition is the reason that the Liberals introduced their reforms. For one thing, many of the problems which existed in Britain related to workplace conditions, and the Liberal actions had very little impact on improving issues for most workers to do with long hours, low wages and unsafe conditions. Another factor thus that may have led to the Liberals introducing their reforms was party political issues, including party advantage. The Reform Acts of 1832, 1867 and 1884 
had brought big change to British politics, giving firstly middle-class men and then some working-class men the vote. Working-class men now numbered a huge portion of the total voters in Britain, and as a result, it was important that the government listened to them and their demands. In 1900, the establishment of the Labour Representation Committee gave working-class men their own voice. Labour would offer a variety of policies that aimed to attract working-class support, such as better housing, more jobs, and a maximum working day of eight hours. At the same time, there was also a new generation of Liberal leaders coming through. People such as Henry Campbell Bannerman, the Prime Minister, who was an old Liberal, died in 1908, and he was replaced by Herbert Asquith. Asquith gave jobs to these new Liberals that believed in a much more progressive form of government, including people such as David Lloyd George and Winston Churchill. In 1909, Lloyd George proved just how serious he was about improving working and living conditions when he introduced the so-called People's Budget that aimed to take money from the wealthy to tackle poverty and fund welfare reform. The rise of the Labour Party certainly led to Liberal worries. The Liberals generally relied on working class votes, and so a working class party might take away their support. It suggested, therefore, that the Liberals backed social reform in a way of keeping working class support. In addition, Labour councillors across Britain were introducing policies improving people's lives, so again the Liberals felt they had to match this. However, it might be too simple to simply blame the rise of the Labour Party and make this the reason that the Liberals introduced their reforms. For one thing, the 1906 election manifesto, where the Liberals first came to power, makes almost no mention of social reforms, suggesting it was not a major factor or would lay a major part of Liberal thinking. Not only this, it undermines the genuine belief that people such as Lloyd George had in a genuine, fairer Britain. The new Liberals backed social and political changes because they believed it was right, rather than simply for their own advantage. Another factor, therefore, which could have influenced the government to introduce their changes is what is known as municipal socialism. In simple terms, is what local councils were doing all around Britain. Local government across Britain be began spending taxpayers' money on social reforms which were improving lives in different ways. One prominent example in Glasgow was the introduction of a council-controlled water supply. A new pipeline from Loch Katrin brought clean water to parts of the city that had never enjoyed this before and had a big impact on improving health and tackling diseases such as cholera. The council also introduced city lighting, making the city a safer and better place to live in. These changes were not simply happening in Glasgow or Scotland, they were happening right across Britain. Other councils provided better water, some chose to spend money on free school meals for poorer children, and the success of these reforms by both Labour and Liberal councils showed that it was possible for government to take positive action that could improve people's lives. However, there is an argument against municipal socialism playing a role in influencing the Liberals. For one thing, it could be argued that by introducing small changes, it in fact delayed the need for national government to take bigger action. Not only this, it could be argued that even when the Liberals did introduce the changes, they only went part of the way to replicating them. For instance, when free school meals were first introduced by the Liberals, it was not a compulsory option, instead one that councils could simply do if they wished. The final factor that may have led the Liberals to introduce their social reforms was the influence that other countries had. 
Unlike other countries um, in Europe and in other parts of the world, Britain has not had a genuine political revolution, certainly not in the last few centuries. However, since the 1790s, many countries that were close to Britain, both politically and geography, had done so. Many people believe this was a reason for political reform and that social reforms were needed as well. This was for a very simple reason. Britain's ruling classes realised that if they did not give away some of their power and wealth, the working class could feasibly take it all by force. The violence of revolutions seen in places such as America, France, Italy, and a failed attempt in Russia in the early 1900s persuaded many people in Britain that they should take this action. In 1905, the failed Russian Revolution in particular caused fears. All across Britain, there was social unrest such as strikes and trade unions demanding better rights. Many people feared that revolution, possibly violent, was coming to Britain. As well as this, Germany was increasingly Britain's main rival both economically and militarily. Germany, under the leadership of Chancellor Bismarck, had introduced a variety of social reforms including pensions and sickness benefits and many people in Britain believed it was essential to follow this lead if Britain was to continue to match or indeed beat Germany. However, it is perhaps wrong to suggest that simply because other countries were involved in revolution or their own social reforms that this was a reason it happened. There was very little evidence in Britain that even without these changes that there would likely be a national revolution. The rise of the Democratic Labour Party perhaps showed that the working class did not support violent change and instead wanted simply gradual and reasonable actions. In addition, although there were fears that some of the protests and strikes that took place in Britain could be part of a national revolution, in fact most of these were located simply in specific areas and were not part of any national plan.